is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. As always, you're invited. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, you can join us online anytime you want. Just head on over to freetalklive.com and you will find all kinds of features there. Uh, anytime you want them. Uh, archives and ways to interact with other Free Talk Live listeners. We'll tell you more about that as the show goes on here tonight. With you, it's Ian. Aria. And Conan. Coming up, uh, Aria, you've got some crypto-related news we can get into. But first, a little bit of uh, international coverage. Uh, on the way, Conan, also, speaking of international, people from the U.S. are migrating to Mexico. So, Oh, yeah, and Mexicans are not happy wouldn't, Some you, of them. Wouldn't, wouldn't you know it some of them we'll find out about that coming up here is this about the honduras no that's a different oh, country okay. yeah well i know it's a different country <laughs> but you know it's the same sort of theme oh right because the honduras uh government undid the whole special yeah. economic zone thing so mad about that yeah uh, so we can cover all that. Uh, but, of course, the big news that we covered yesterday was that uh, the old bat Nancy Pelosi was going to ostensibly go to Taiwan and China's government, their military, had said they were going to do something about it. They apparently posted a video of a missile uh, launching and suggesting that they don't, were going But to- don't they put one of those out every week? Well, including Russia and any was, area of the country has a military? This was specifically in regards to Pelosi. The suggestion was they were going to blow her air, airplane out of the sky. Apparently that didn't happen, at least on the way there. And, well, that's good. And so she, she did arrive in Taiwan, but that hasn't stopped the saber rattling from continuing. Uh, the the sun.com saying that China is vowing to, quote, fight to the death, unquote, and is amassing tanks on beaches ahead of what could be a D-Day-style invasion on Taiwan, fueling World War III fears. They say that uh, Beijing has threatened to take action as it accuses the U.S. of provoking them over the breakaway island, which the Communist Party has long claimed belongs to China. And uh, the resolve on both sides is now being stretched to breaking point as one of the most senior politicians in the U.S., Nancy Pelosi, has arrived in Taiwan. She is second in line to the presidency, behind only Kamala Harris, and is a vocal critic of China and longstanding enemy of Donald Trump. You remember when uh, Joe Biden was running for office and the big uh, the big talking point was that, oh, he's all cozy with China? Now you've got the Democrats that are basically pussyfooting around having a war with uh, with China. Yeah, this is this week's new NPC chip. It has been, Ukraine has been unplugged mm. and the i hate china chip has been inserted this week yeah and, it, and, and we've been experiencing this this whole year it's, it seems to be every two or three weeks or something new that to to to, to bitch about i haven't um, been following this very closely on the internet is there like a, a new software update are people out there complaining about how much they hate china because of this oh, they will be now right like that's that, like yeah inevitable. this is this is brand spanking new this is this week's news news so yes be prepared uh, to be inundated with, uh, the flooded uh, with I Hate China nonsense. What does the Taiwanese flag look That's like? That's just what I was thinking. <laughs> we need to be looking at uh, social media and see if people are replacing or adding to their Ukraine flag with the Taiwanese flag. I'm sure they are. If and they're they're, not and, yet, they're, they and their be. front porches, too, putting their yeah. flags on the front porch. Uh, so, you know, the, the Chinese government's mad about this because, again, they claim Taiwan. They said it was a serious violation of their sovereignty and vowed to take, quote, all necessary measures. China's foreign ministry said, quote, these moves like playing with fire are extremely dangerous. Those who play with fire will perish by it. The Taiwan flag is a red background with a 
uh, blue uh, square in the upper left corner with mm. a with a sun, a white sun. So be prepared for the red background, white sun. I'm going to have to look at this. I'm having a hard time picturing it. Beijing claims the island belongs to them, but the people of Taiwan say they're a separate nation. China has long been feared to launch an amphibious assault on Taiwan something which some analysts have dubbed Z-Day. At least two Chinese warships, a destroyer and frigate, have been seen lurking off the island, and Chinese warplanes have buzzed close to the dividing line in the Taiwan Strait. Chilling footage shared on a Chinese social network, Weibo, appears to show a column of amphibious tanks reportedly massing on beaches in Fujian along the Taiwan Strait. So once again, this very sounds very similar to the build-up Outside of Ukraine, remember it was a few weeks before mm. Russia went into uh, northeastern Ukraine that they were amassing tanks on the border, still inside Russia, uh, and there was a lot of talk about this. A lot of people said, "Oh, it'll it'll never happen. They're just there for military exercises." Even I think I believed that that would be the case, right. and and then they went in, and now they've been there since uh, since March. Well, that's what the U.S. government always says, right? It's just conducting military exercises Mm -hmm. off the coast of whatever. And sometimes it's a prelude to an invasion. Sometimes it isn't. Or a false flag or some buildings falling down or a school shooting. So I don't know what they're going to do here. Does Time it, will does, tell. Does the article talk about what Pelosi is even doing in Taiwan? Is it just talking? About, is it just about the chips, the, the chip sales? I mean, she she had some things that somebody wrote for her to say. I mean, I can pull up a couple of the uh, the excerpts here, but. Quote, America's solidarity with the 23 million people of Taiwan is more important today than ever as the world faces a choice between autocracy and democracy, she wrote on Twitter. Well, the United States doesn't know anything about democracy. Mm. They, they, They are very much about the autocracy, though, from what I can tell. Well, people do get to vote here. Yeah, for one, for one it party. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they vote, but they do get to vote. And that's that's all she's trying to t- say is that, oh, well, our system's better than their system. And so we should go to war over that. Oh, and by the way, your gas is going up again because of oh, the war in Taiwan. Really? No, I mean, oh, it's, yeah, it's going to go back up. Well, isn't didn't Biden actually get rid of the federal gas tax? Didn't that actually happen? Isn't that the reason why the, it, the gas prices are down? And, never, and it's selling millions of barrels of uh, reserve, reserve oil to China. Oh, I thought they were letting it out into the U.S. I didn't know they were selling them to they're China. Sell, they're selling it. Well, they, wow. they're, they're selling to the highest bidder, which I just see. happened to be China. Uh, Brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, really, there's no point in, in saying anything else about what this woman has to say over there. It's all a political maneuver, basically, like you said, to get people riled up, get them behind another war effort that the Democrats are you know, going to get people into. I'm not saying Republicans wouldn't do the same thing, uh, but it that's what's happening now. So... Uh, there's more. There's the, the rest of the article is just all tough talk about, you know, one side's military versus the other side's military and who's going to do what. And it's it's I mean, worse. I find this I find it interesting from like a militarily strategic perspective, you know, like a, a strategy video game or something like that. But the, the possibility of this being real makes it no fun at all. I'm not interested in the numbers or who's got the most warships or who's got the most military capabilities. People real people are going to die. It's not a video game. It's not yeah. Call of Duty. How do you know? I'm starting to think more and more that it is. That it doesn't exist? It's a video game. <laughs> it's I a have video no game. reason to believe that so, it's a video game. Someone was actually, you know, chug, chug, chugging it along, you know, playing the video game, left to go use the bathroom or make a sandwich in the in the uh, other room, and the, and the kid brother came in and is screwing things up, just jumping on. I mean, oh, no, the cat moved in. The cat is all over the keyboard right now, just 
inputting that'll happen that it'll happen it'll mess your game up so we know that in the ukraine situation russia isn't trying to decimate ukraine they're not trying to scorch the earth they they just ostensibly want to take over the donbass region and oust the current uh, administration probably put in some friendlies uh, into the current administration they're not trying to drop a nuclear weapon on the place there's 43 million people that live in Ukraine. There are 144, I think, million in Russia. China's got like a billion people. Yeah, China's huge, man. <laughs> and the island of Taiwan has about 23 million, I think, was uh, was the population yep. there. Yep. So, like, this isn't even close to the same kind of a conflict. China, of course, is, you know, very wealthy as far as the last few decades. Their, their wealth has been uh, going up quite a bit. Uh, as their market was loosened up at, uh, for some period of time. And the United States is probably not going to get away with a proxy war in this particular case. They're, if they want to do something, they're going to have to get involved directly. And that is that would, disastrous. In fact, lead to what an actual world war is going to look like. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, everyone's screaming about Russia, Russia, Ukraine being the next world war. I don't think so. And I'm not sure the United States government really has a choice because the Chinese government is ruthless. They don't care about those 27 well, million yeah, Taiwanese people. We do have a people. choice. It's we back off. I, well, I mean, I've got plenty I mean, of choice. It would the be US very government terrible, doesn't. very terrible for a sovereign country to get taken over like that if China really wants to move in and take lay down the law. Well, that was what I was trying to say was that, you know, China doesn't care to take over. They could just kill them all and replace them with Chinese people. They could. There's more coming up here. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Aria. And Conan. We're talking about the potential for war with China over the territory that China claims is theirs. Taiwan, of course, says they're an independent country. And now uh, Nancy Pelosi, who is uh, one of the big-ranking politicians in Washington, D.C., has traveled to China despite warnings from the Chinese government. What, what does Nancy Pelosi do again? She's the speaker. Secretary or speaker. Yeah, speaker, speaker of, of the House. The House. Yeah. Okay. So, so the third-ranking person. Okay. And so she's a representative. Like She's not even like a senator. Yeah, which, yeah you're right about that. Okay. Yeah, so uh, she is, um, I guess, the first the first time in twenty five years that somebody from the uh, somebody high ranking or whatever has uh, has gone there. And I just want her to understand her her real place in the universe. She's just she's just a U.S. rep. She's nothing. She's meaningless. Well, in this case, she may be uh, the start of a new world war. You know, the World War Three, which would that's be because after. China's bought into the mythology, though. Of World War Three? No, they bought into the mythology that oh, she she's the speaker something? of the house. This means something. Well, of no, she's they just have. she's just some ugly old crone who has made a life out of being a politician. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is China thinks is going to come from this. I mean, this old bat's going to go there. She's going to give a speech. She's going to talk to some other politicians. And she's going to go home. Yeah. And that's going to be the end of that story. I don't see how that's going to further any kind of relationship between Taiwan and the United States because they can always talk on the phone or a video conference or whatever. It, like, it's all just symbolism. It's like, oh, see, we're staring down the red Chinese threat and we're going to go no matter what. I'm putting my life on the line and I'm going there despite what their threats and, you know, we were just talking about kind of comparing the Ukraine conflict with what could happen with China. And again, I hope it doesn't happen. You know, right. I, I don't want to see uh, any kind of war. 
But just comparing the two, not only is the Ukraine thing a much, I'm not going to call it an even match, but you know, you got 144 million people in Russia and 40 something million in Ukraine versus over a billion in China and 23 million in uh, Taiwan. So it's a completely different world we're talking about here. And also think about the trade aspect of this. That's that's the big one in that's my in my huge. book. So so our economy is basically propped up via the Chinese economy. Right. How many items do you buy at the store that say made in Russia? Yeah, but that, that's oil, true for the Chinese oil, as well. Oil, fertilizer, uh, wheat. Yeah, but I've never I, seen I mean, it. I mean, right? that's all we really get from it. Russia. Yeah, you don't see it anywhere. There's like almost nothing that you buy at the store from Russia. But almost everything comes from china if there's a war between the united states and china you better believe that's all going to end you think it's tough getting computer chips for the cars right now with the supply chain issues just due to covid quote unquote because some chinese uh manufacturers have closed their manufacturing due to let's say you know cities locking down or whatever stupid reasons they they close them for that's caused problems that's caused ripples and issues with the with the supply chain what about when that stops entirely? What's that going to look like? It, it it's going to be horrible for both countries. No, it yeah. can't stop entirely. China relies on the U.S. economy just as much as the U.S. relies on the Chinese economy. Correct. The Chinese Correct. government has been trying to diversify and you know uh, court the Middle East and court Russia and all these other mm-hmm. places, but they don't even represent ten percent of what the U.S. is buying from them. They they need the U. It's going to hurt the Chinese economy just as much as it hurts the U.S. economy. Which is probably why. They haven't blown Pelosi out of the sky okay. because it's, you know, it's it can't happen. Could be. I will say that the difference is probably that the Chinese economy continues to produce things where the U.S. economy is almost entirely a service economy that doesn't actually produce anything. So the Chinese would probably have an easier time recovering and yeah, finding just, other buyers and stuff. Right. They are selling stuff to the whole world. Yeah. And I, I get your point that the U.S. is a big customer. There's no doubt about it. It's their it. biggest. Uh, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, but they could probably go without. I mean, they're not going to sure. not be able to feed themselves. You know, even Russia right now, the Russian government is saying we're talking. They're talking about cutting off the United States from any kind of diplomatic whatever because apparently the U.S. is uh, apparently considering calling Russia a terrorist state at this point. I thought they have been, and so well maybe they the are past half year. Yeah, and so now, the, according to an article over at RT, which is Russia Today. Uh, that, of course, the U.S. government doesn't want you to read. Nope. Moscow well, warns of cutting ties with the United States. A potential move to brand Russia as a sponsor of terrorism would have severe consequences. Quote, if people in Washington decide to fully stop any interaction with Moscow, we can live with that. There should be no doubt about that. That's the attitude the Russians have towards They've demonstrated they can the live without that. Yeah. yeah. And they got so, their own version of McDonald's now, and they're doing okay. They was it sh- called tasty, no, tasty but fast or something? I think it's tasty and that's it. I think okay, is what, yeah. it, what it translates to. Huh. So anyway, that's where we're at with the with the you know sort of international World War Three situation. Uh, again, we we love peace here on Free Talk Live. I don't relish any of these things happening, but that's what governments do. They they are violent, they're evil, they're killers, and they're more than happy to put young lives on the lines for the glory. Of these politicians. Yep, rich old men. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if I recall correctly, based on the numbers, the U.S. government knows that it only has until like 2030 or something like that before China has just completely overtaken the United States technologically and militarily and economically. 
So if, if they want to actually have a war with China and stand any chance of actually succeeding, the clock is ticking. Mm. I don't want them to succeed. I don't want there to be a war with China. I, I want them to, you know, peacefully compete with one another and engage in trade and, you know, have a free market. They won't do that. But the clock is ticking if they want to have any chance whatsoever, because China is just getting stronger and the United States is just getting weaker. Of course, as we know, a lot of people are planning to leave the United States. Our very own Mark Edge is looking at uh, moving to, well, I mean, maybe technically already has. He sort of moves around, but he's got uh, something he's putting together in Honduras. There have been other people who've been moving to Mexico. Uh, I've been watching a show over the last four weeks now called The Anarchists, all about uh, voluntarist anarchist types moving into Mexico. And Conan, you have a story tonight about some Mexican migrants, people migrating from the United States oh, yeah. into but, Mexico. But I had one question. Uh, the the military, the Chinese military, the size of it. You know, we we're always told mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the, the, the the size of the U.S. military dwarfs everyone, everyone else. It's budget, well, the spending certainly does. Certainly does. Yeah. So that's what they tell us. Mm-hmm. And when you consider when you consider the population of China, I really I'm starting to find it hard to believe that their military isn't just ginormous. Well, and they maybe, may not have as many craft, you know, right. they may not have as many uh, aircraft carriers and things like that, but they certainly have more bodies they can throw. Yeah, this if this, this, is, if this was to turn on its head, um, they can get to Taiwan. This is why they've oh, been yeah, so much but, money. But I'm thinking they could get to not just not just Taiwan. I mean, they could they could have the. You know the whole. Uh, there's a rifle behind every blade of grass. That's why Japan mm. would never even well, they, would never land in, in California. Well, their people don't have guns. I think by default, but certainly the state does. Yeah, they but they make them. guns. Yeah, I mean they just print them out. But it's not even a matter of military craft or numbers or anything like that at this point. There's a reason that China has gone wholesale into technology and artificial intelligence and things like that. That you don't need the biggest gun if you have the most accurate gun or if you have the most technologically advanced gun. You know, the U.S. may be coming with these aircraft carriers or whatever that were designed 50 years ago. The Chinese government's, theirs are five years old and theirs implement artificial intelligence and all sorts of other technologies that the U.S. government's just fallen behind on. We got more coming up here. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160, not to mention the wokeism in the U.S. military oh, man. as well. <laughs> That's where so, Russia. That's where Russia's got us beat. Yeah, there's probably, and you know, I don't know how badass the Chinese uh, are, but I've seen some crazy videos of their trainings uh, over there. They look pretty tough. Meanwhile, U.S. has a bunch of cat boys or whatever. <laughs> there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com it's 
It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you, you've got Ian. Aria. And Conan. I want to say thanks to Ron Dinian, who is a Free Talk Live silver supporter of our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. If you like what we do here at Free Talk Live and you want to help uh, get Free Talk Live on more great radio stations around the country, you can do that by joining AMPS over at amps.freetalklive.com. It is a Patreon. You can do it with your PayPal, your debit card, your credit card, and you can help us advertise, market, promote, and support the show. You get some cool benefits when you do that. And we definitely appreciate it. So folks like Ron Dinian, who's a silver level, which means he's doing five bucks a month, and that's all we ask for. Really appreciate the help. Once again, it's amps.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about people getting the F out of the United States. And there's different reasons, of course, to do this. And one of them might be the impending doom of a World War III uh, certainly, you're, where can you flee though to get away from World War Three? You can flee to any country that's not participating, and your odds. But it's, but it's a world war. Are better? Yeah, that's what they call it. But they're I still mean, World War Two was pretty comprehensive. South America? I don't know if they got. They you got. Had, you got the Appalachia. People ran to South America. That's a, that's I, a, good, I, that's a good place Nazis to hide. Did, I think but. South America's probably South America and the southern half of Africa might be the only places that weren't touched by World War Two. Well, we don't expect, you know, there's no reason to expect that the same situation is going to happen this time around. And, you know, the fact is, if you're not in one of the saber rattling countries, you're probably better off. I tend to think Uh, so. Yeah. So uh, I don't blame anybody who wants to to take a walk. And that's what's happening with apparently a large number of people moving into Mexico. And Conan, you have a story about that tonight. Guess they're not being too well received in some No, they're not. Well, it's a certain type that are moving that these people, that these Mexican city locals are complaining about. Really? Uh, Like for, you know, here in New Hampshire, I don't have any problem with immigrants, migrants, uh, out-of-staters moving in as long as they are not that type. I wish we had more Mexicans. Mass holes. To, I'm speaking. I'm talking yeah. about you guys, which are Taxachusetts. I mean, as long as they're libertarians or anarchists, I, I welcome them. Yeah, but that's not what we get a lot of. We get a lot of <laughs> influx from we Mass- get a Massachusetts. Lot of libertarians, actually, it was uh, over a thousand libertarians moved here in 2021 awesome. for the Free State Project, largest number of any year prior to that. It may be beaten by 2022. Obviously, we're not done with a year yet, so we right, don't right, know. Right. But it's looking pretty good if you talk to the folks over at Porcupine Real Estate, people that are actually actually, actually have the numbers, the, yeah. the, the data. They're yeah, from what I've seen, good. the mass holes are like leaving. They they want to go somewhere where they do have control. Well, they they talk about leaving. How, how many of them actually leave? Some do. A lot of people just complain because they well. A lot complain. of people talk about moving here too, and then they don't actually do it. Correct. So you got that. You have to consider that as well. This well, the, the this from the L.A. Times. Mexico City. Fernando Bustos Gorzopa Gorzarpe was sitting with friends in a cafe when he cafe when he realized that once again. They were outnumbered. Mm-hmm. We're the only brown people, said Bustos, a 38-year-old writer and university professor. We're the only people speaking Spanish except the waiters. Wow. What Mexico- do you care, dude? He, he sounds like the American equivalent of, you know, the, the old white people saying, why, how, I don't know why they have to speak Spanish. Well, you that's know, the, that's, people exist. I know, but why do you care? That's the most ironic part about this entire It's not hurting article. them. 
It's not a surprise either. Those kind, those people are not unique to the United I States. Know. This we is, just live around them. I know, I, but I, my message is the same for yeah. this guy that it is that the conservatives right. who are upset about Hispanic immigration, dude, it doesn't affect you. Why do you care? Get this over is, yourself. My well, language, is, my culture, well, my this borders. Isn't, this isn't, uh, uh, they're taking my jobs. This is gentrification where they're coming in and they're basically they're uh, taking my home that's, yeah that's, no, well they're they're raising right. the rent the rent is skyrocketing yeah. because of these gentrifiers that's just a different version of they're taking our jobs so mm, eh, close maybe it's like it's we got economic. these immigrants coming in here taking stuff from us we got to stop these immigrants from taking all our stuff whether it's a job or their property or whatever is it's the same sort of jingoist nonsense mexico has long been the top foreign travel destination for americans it's bountiful beaches and picturesque Pueblos luring tens of millions of U.S. visitors annually. Cheap tacos. But in recent years, a growing number of tourists and remote workers hailing from Brooklyn, New York, Silicon Valley, and points in between have flooded. I wouldn't want those people there either. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Have flooded the nation's capital and left a scent of new wave imperialism. Uh, I was going to mm. guess avocado. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Or in- pumpkin spice. The influx, which has accelerated since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and is likely to continue as inflation rises, is transforming some of the city's most treasured neighborhoods and expat on into expat enclaves. In leafy, walkable quarters such as a I Roma. just love how Mexico's on the other side of the immigration thing now, and they're, they're just as upset as the <laughs> conservatives were. This, but, but again, it's a different group, though. It's a whole different group that are complaining about this. Is it? Are they that different? Uh, in leafy, walkable quarters such as Roma, Condesa, Centro, and Juraz, Juraz, rent, oh, how do you say that? Your, I don't know anyways, how you spell it. Rents are soaring as Americans and other foreigners snap up houses and landlord trade long-term renters from travelers willing to pay more on Airbnb. Yeah. Taquerias. Mm-hmm. Uh, corner stores and fondues, small family-run launch spots are being replaced by... You wait. You you got it, uh, Aria. Starbucks, pa- Pilates studios, <laughs> co-working spaces, and sleek cafes advertising oat milk lattes and avocado <laughs> toast. <laughs> and English. Good. Let them go to Mexico. Hey, Mexican people who are upset about this because you want to work hard, you don't want your avocado toast or whatever. Come to the United States. We'll trade you. You take these liberals, and we'll take your hard workers. And yeah, it, but it's not as easy to come here. You know, it like, should be, though. Yeah, it should be. It, we should have the freedom to have people cross borders and live wherever it is they are welcome to live. But to immigrate legally into the United States is an absolute nightmare from you know the stories that we've been told over yeah. the years. It costs a lot of money. Many of uh, these immigrants from Mexico don't have that kind of money. They certainly don't have the lawyer uh, that they need to navigate the system. And if you come in without going through the system, then the system's always after you and you've always got to be looking over your shoulder. So it's rough. Yep, so why rough. are these hipsters going to Mexico? What, what, what well, it's, they- a, it's a city. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about these liberals who are moving to this city and mm-hmm. gentrifying. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I, but I know that there are other Americans. We know some of them who are moving to South America. I know, but why? Why are these people? But they're doing not moving it? to the cities. They're moving out to the woods, and I, I'm sure this guy Bustos has absolutely no problem with someone like Mark Edge if he was to move into the into the countryside somewhere. I don't know. I mean, my question: Why? Why are these these yuppies from these upper valley cities in California or whatever? Why? Why are they going to Mexico? Inflation, it's cheap. COVID nineteen. It's cheaper. Is, is, they don't like Trump. Is that what the article has said? That's I guarantee you. It's that's what it's the article cheap. has said so far, and I know that this, it's it is m- much much cheaper. Yeah, I wish I could remember the exact numbers, but 
Uh, when Mark Edge went down to Acapulco in 2019, they uh, before in Acapulco, they went down for like three weeks or two weeks or whatever. Basically, his family was going to spend a whole month in uh, in Acapulco, and then one week of the month would be the Acapulco week. Okay. And so they went down there and they rented this nice. Uh, it was on a like a three story building. It wasn't the whole the whole thing they rented. It was just the top story. And there were, I don't know, six bedrooms, two or three bathrooms, a pool, uh, you know, very, very beautiful yeah. location. You're looking out over a, a nice view, that kind of thing. And it was, Dirt you know, cheap. 1500 bucks a month or something like that. Okay. It, it, it was cheap. Now, now, to be clear, Arya, this won't stay cheap. This is right. going to be exactly what is going on in Silicon Valley right now as we speak. Mm. Uh, they're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a decades-long uh, adventure. Uh, but these rents are going to go up. These the the, the real estate is going to keep going up and up and up. And the 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 original locals are going to get removed. They're going to get replaced. This is the great Mexican replacement. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just like all the conservatives here in this country complaining about that uh, that is being fausted on onto uh, onto us. Well, and if you want to live cheap, is like really cheap. I mean that for that's just comparing to like a three bedroom house here in just an average house here in Keene, which you might pay fifteen hundred bucks plus utilities for or whatever here. You had a lot more space, a lot nicer kind of property in Mexico. But if you want to get just a crappy room somewhere, you could pay 75 bucks a month, right? Like there's a okay. huge range of uh, what's available. You're not going to have a nice view, but uh, right. you'll have a, a roof over your head. Yep. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. We'll talk more about what's going on with these migrants down there. And uh, another question is how many of them are there illegally? How many of them just question. went down there and decided to stay without getting the necessary paperwork? It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open here, and you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Turns out there are a bunch of nationalist types in Mexico as well. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and uh, they don't like, you know, they don't like it when people come down there. Nope. Reinforces the whole idea, uh, this concept that uh, American is full of racist Nazis, mm-hmm. and the rest of the world is just good to go. No. No, you got bigots and racists everywhere, and, and they're in every stinking country. And uh, Mexico City is on that list as yeah. well. And we're gonna and, and we're gonna continue that discussion here in moments. Also, I uh, want to let you know about Bitcoin. If you are somebody that travels around the world, you definitely want to take a look at cryptocurrency. I mean, everybody should be looking at cryptocurrency, especially considering the situation with inflation going on. Uh, but Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, other cryptocurrencies, are useful in other countries of the world. You don't have to exchange anything. They are borderless. Exactly. So you can go and learn some of the basics about Bitcoin. Go click Get Started at the top of the page at Bitcoin.com. You'll find some introductory videos there. Spend as much time as you want digging as deep as you like into this technology because it's really important it's not going away in our lifetimes and probably in your grandkids lifetimes this is here this technology is really important because it puts the value of money and the power of money into the hands of the individual but you can learn more by clicking get started at the top of the page at bitcoin.com if you are not brand new to crypto you want to get the latest news headlines they got them for you on their news site over at news.bitcoin.com let's go to the phones here olivia is on the line in arizona go ahead olivia hey this call is kind of for aria because i just got her book dancing in hellfire so i, I didn't know that was still for, for sale <laughs> really yeah i thought i delisted that long ago but okay cool was it was it a used <laughs> copy or a new copy 
No, they're brand new. They were printed July 30th. Someone making money off your books, are you? <laughs> that sounds like print on demand. So it, pre- it is print on demand. So I mean, there, there's a, ch- a checking account I have that you know the payments for the book go into. I haven't checked it in in years. Mm. Wow. All right, but what about, I guess I, thanks. Uh, I thought it was really well written so far. I mean, I've been picking like random pages to flip to, and I think there's there's something in this book for everyone to relate to, especially if they came from a dysfunctional home. And the other thing that I liked is you don't indent, you put like spaces between the paragraphs. It makes it easy to read. So, yep. Okay. And this is a biogra- uh, autobiographical kind of thing. What is it, Aria, this book? I, I, I'm not sure I would stand by it at this point. You know, it's like going back really? and looking at my YouTube videos from like seven or eight years ago. It's like, uh, yeah. w- w- would I still put this this way? Would I still stand by this mm-hmm. work? It's like, I, how I, old is this now? Seven or eight? It's, it's about the same amount of time mm-hmm. as like my earliest YouTube videos. Some of those I have delisted because I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't like the way I said this. I don't like the way I came across here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure that I would put Dancing in Hellfire in a different category. It's just. A work from a long time ago that I don't remember very much about, honestly. Wow. Were you trans at well, that time, know, or had yeah. you started the transition? I had. Uh, was that it, Olivia? Uh, you just wanted to compliment her? Um, well, I did want to say one thing. I, I'm always saying to people, you know, you should write a book. And they're always like, yeah, I guess I should. But I just think it's really neat that someone actually did, because she had a lot to say in it. So that's really cool. Thanks. I've written a few. Uh, one of them is uh, way too long to ever be useful to anyone but me. So it just sort of sits on my hard drive at like 450,000 words. It's longer than the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy for some perspective on this. I mean, useless, but it, wow. it's not hard to now write I, a book. It just, it just takes, no, it's terrible. It just, <laughs> it's a matter of discipline, right? Too many people uh, treat writing as like, it's just some hobby that they're going to do when they feel like it or something like that. And one of the Earliest things I learned about writing was from Stephen King back when I was in high school. It's like, no, you have to treat it like a job. Set yourself, this is how much Deadlines. I'm going to write every single day. And you always hit that. Like the, the novel that I was just talking about, the 450,000 page one, I, I wrote in it about uh, just under four months. I set myself a goal of 35 pages per day. And these were single space pages. So, I mean, 35 pages per week. Did you say 450,000 pages? 450,000 words. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the word, the page count is like 1,100 or something okay. like that. But I mean, I, I set myself a 35 pages per week and I could a minimum hmm. of three pages per day, right? So that meant on weekends, generally, I would have to cram out 10 hmm. pages on Saturday, 10 pages on Sunday, and then three pages on every other day throughout the week in order to get to that 15, 35 pages a day. 35 pages a week requirement or whatever. And it sucked. But as long as you do that every single day, you're going to get to the end. And people look at that like, wow, that was really impressive. Like, no, I just set a goal. And then I achieved that goal. I didn't set a goal to write this gargantuan book or whatever. So I'm going to write three pages a day. That, that's all it takes for someone to write a book is to have just a little bit of commitment to say, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it daily and there's nothing on this earth mm-hmm. that's going to stop me from doing it. And just like that, give it give it six months and anyone out there can write a book. And if you're willing to commit uh, to something. I'm not, I'm not going to... I didn't say it would be good. Okay, okay. As long as that's on the table. <laughs> look, it doesn't have to... Look, when you're setting out to write a book, you shouldn't even think about whether or not it's going to be good. That, mm-hmm. That's what edit, copy editing and second drafts and all that stuff for. I'm going to disagree, disagree with that one too. Well, as someone who's written a few books... I think I, I think I, I should be able to say that, right? The, the first draft is just about putting, putting words on paper. That's it. Get the story out there. I don't, I don't do anything unless I'm 
intending on it being the best thing I've ever done. And I think that should be, and, I, and I think that should be everyone's drive with any project, whether it's just driving down the road to work. That, that you should drive the best you've ever driven. Otherwise, why do it? Well, well for practice. And I, 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 that's the same reason I haven't released a song in like the last six or seven years or whatever. Because if I'm going to release a song, it's going to be the best song I've ever written, or I'm just not going to bother. I'm going to scrap it and start over. But you know, you got to have that practice. You don't know that it's going to be bad when you set out to write the book or to write the song or whatever. But then you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, that's that's terrible. It goes into the trash. You learn from that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as long as you went into it initially that this is going to be the best thing I've ever done, that's yeah. something to work work on. Now, if you're just half-assing it, then no, you need to just stop. Well, I mean, if someone's half-assing writing a book, they're probably not going to have the discipline to sit down and hit that daily page limit anyway. Which is most right? people, in the, most people, 99% of the population are not going to write books. But it's just a matter of discipline. That's all that is. I mean, it's not like... A, That's true a lot of life is, you know, if you're willing to put the time in, you're willing to put the effort in, you have the discipline, you can do a lot of things. Yep. Yeah. Look at, no look, at, look at anyone who is successful. Yep. Thank you, Olivia, for the call tonight. Appreciate that. Uh, so we're talking about people moving from the United States down into Mexico. This article is specifically talking about Mexico City, but obviously they're going to they're going, a lot of different places. They're going to, they're going to South America. They're going to... People are moving to Canada, believe it or not. And Alaska. Some, some of the people in Mexico are not so happy about it because they see... This gentrification, the, new, new wave imperialism, the yuppies coming in from the United States. They got a lot of money by comparison to the natives and they're buying up some of the houses. They're, well, they can't buy houses. You can you can't as a as a non-native, you cannot purchase property in, in Mexico, as I understand. Yeah, but it. how do you how how can you become a native? Um, how do you uh, what's the I don't know the, what that the, process the fire, is the fiery like. hoops and process that you have to yeah, yeah, jump I through. Know. I don't know how hard that is down there. I suspect well, I mean, it's even, a little easier. Even if you're just renting. I mean, yes, uh, and that's the, what a lot of these people are doing. Uh, $450 a month is the average salary mm-hmm. for a New, New Mexican native. So if, you're, native, so, if you're, yeah. so if you're working local, and this is the... That's the, unlikely. A lot it, of these people are people that are able to work online. That's why they're able to travel easily. Digital, digital nomads. Correct. And those are, yeah. these are the people who are moving in there who are taking over. Uh, and if you're making, I mean, even just 2000 a month. Mm-hmm. You and, can live like a king, basically. Oh, you better believe it. Uh, so... Uh, so this is happening. The uh, they're they're not only are they uh, moving in, taking all the 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 available real estate hotels, which is good for the hotel business, by the way. That these the, the hotel business in Mexico City is not complaining about this. They love it. Mm-hmm. It's this guy Bustos, who's a university professor or whatnot. Uh, who's, oh, what a surprise! An who, academic <laughs> who sees uh, who's com- complaining about the his one of his biggest complaints is English is taking over. Mm. Wow. He's in a restaurant. Oh, the poor guy. He asked for a, for a, a menu, and it's an uh, English language menu is handed to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, I can just hear him saying, and, just and why he, in the hell do I have to press seven for Spanish? And, he, <laughs> mm-hmm. and of course, he hands it back and says, one in Spanish, please. So we, so we, what this, a snowflake. Yeah, well, he, absolutely. I mean, does he speak English? Probably he does. It, it, he probably does. It sounds like he probably does. So, so so he's just he's just wanting a Spanish menu to be a snowflake. Well, like, I mean, well, maybe he can't read English. It, it, it's, this is well, he's a university professor. I'm assuming, but who, but who uh, knows? What else does he say? Well, I'm going to skip on down a little bit, and I should try to look at some of these numbers. So we talked about uh, uh, 450 a month is the average salary. Um, That's cheap. Despite growing tensions, Mexico City is not Paris, where an American stumbling over French in a boulangerie. I can't even say that. That must be 
will get a dose of hostility along with her croissants. <laughs> it's not Berlin or Barcelona where locals in recent years have mounted major protests over excessive tourism and the gobbling up of urban properties by global investment firms. The vast majority of people in this crowded, colorful metropolis are unwaveringly kind and patient with the international visitors who in the first four months of this year spent $851 million on hotels alone, right, according to the of, tourism records. Yeah, so some people about, are not mad at this. No, of course not. They're bringing business in there. They're bringing money in there. Uh, there's more coming up here. Hour two's next. It's Free Talk Live. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before ForkFest. ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. You can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. We are talking about people moving to Mexico, uh, whether they call themselves expatriates or whatever. They're moving down there in large numbers, and some people there are upset about it, uh, which is, of course, to be expected because xenophobia exists all around the planet. It's not just American thing. Here nope. in the studio tonight, by the way, it's Ian. Aria. And Conan. And you can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and you can enjoy the various features we have waiting for you there. We're going to go to the phones first, though, before we continue the Mexico discussion. we got Major Payne on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, Aria. You made a quick spit out about you know book writing and such a little bit ago. And I don't think you probably need this lesson, but any of your speculative writers probably do. The only thing I've learned truthfully about writing is you got to write what you know. Because even a dog can smell a lie. That's really good advice as well. That's why John Grisham uh, writes so many uh, books about attorneys and lawyers and stuff like that. It's because, you know, he was an attorney. He knows what that world is like. And it's why so many of... Yeah, I, it's really cliche, but it's why so many of Stephen King's alt, uh, characters are also writers, because he knows mm. the lifestyle of someone who's struggling as a writer. And there are other writers that do branch out, but they a lot of them do a lot of research, right? They will yeah. go and Ken pour. Follett's one of those enormous yeah. amounts of research into some of his works. Right. You, you've got to love the water you're swimming in, basically. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But, uh, all right, so as far as the word police go and everybody trying to change the definition of that, can a man have a baby? I mean, it's, it's all crazy. And this is all, our whole language, everybody's language in the civilized world, I mean, except for, you know, Indonesians, such Japanese languages and all them, are based back on Latin. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like politics, poly. Many plies, ticks, 
Well, that definition has never changed. <laughs> Blood sucking parasite. It's a good old. That's <laughs> yep. a good old one, Pretty there, much. Major. Pretty much, but okay. Now let's go to caveat emptor. To covet. That's caveat. Emptor. That's a little more difficult to ascertain the definition of, but mm-hmm. it's empty and torn. You've lost the seam in the bottom of your gold sack. If thou covet. With too big of greedy eyes, thou shalt lose. Did you know that ye was the plural version of you? Yes. That's just a neat fact that's as pertinent as the other stuff that you said, so I wanted to share that. Good info, Major. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. We were looking at some of the uh, apartments and houses that are for rent down in... I I moved away from Mexico City just because of what you're talking about, Conan. Right, right. Rents are going up there because there's a lot of people, a lot of gringos are moving in and they're snatching up some of the better properties, some of the nicer views or whatever. They're becoming the Austin... Of Mexico. Yeah, but there's plenty of other cities. Mexico's a big place. Oh, yeah, And is. there's a lot of cities there. So I just went to uh, Realtor.com, and you can you know look all over the place. And just uh, one of the coastal towns, which is east of Mexico City, it's on the Gulf Coast, uh, Veracruz. You can get an apartment from a major group. Like, the, people at Realtor.com aren't likely to be individuals who just have a room for rent, you know, or they've got like a guest house or something. That's what your Airbnbs are for. That that may be the case, uh, but in this case, you're dealing with major realtor groups, right? So they've got a bunch of apartments or a bunch of houses. So probably the prices are a little higher here than what you would find if you actually went to the city and looked around and found locals that were renting rooms individually or renting an upstairs apartment or something like that. And this is coastal as well, which this isn't is a coastal cheap. town, correct. Now, I mean, we don't know exactly where this apartment is, but you can get an apartment in Veracruz for 146 bucks a month, one bed, one bath. It's not bad, Maybe in a bad section of town, or maybe not. I don't know. And then, you know, you want to go up to a house? Well, you're paying uh, 684 bucks a month for something with over 2,000 square feet that looks like it is amazing and gorgeous uh, on the Was this the one that you were showing? Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, for, I mean, for a fraction of what you would pay for something like that, uh, pretty much anywhere in the United States. So that's what's attracting people down Oh, yeah. And it's not just that. I've I've moved way down this article. It's a big article. Yeah. Um. We talked about some of the reasons. The price is so much lower than what we're de- what we right. deal with here in this country and other countries as well. Uh, the other one was the COVID nineteen restrictions. Oh, really? Mexico was open. They weren't they weren't shutting down. Not I mean, they, t- not from what we read entirely. There were some restrictions in Mexico. Yeah, City. but you could but you could get on a plane and you could fly there, and they yes. weren't saying yeah, they weren't turning you back. Correct. Like, like a lot of other countries. We're doing and, yep. st- and still have it in some in some instances. There's some people that are still some countries still locked down. Yeah, they're real loose with who they want. You know who they'll let go over there. I mean, Mark Edge, for instance, who is a felon uh, here. He he was in prison for a murder charge. Now he didn't commit murder, but he went to prison for for it. Uh, and they let him into Mexico, no problem. He couldn't get into Japan, but they let him into Mexico. Yeah, and that's because, like, as you were touching on earlier. The Mexican people, a lot of them, unless they're the nationalist types that they apparently interviewed for this article, a lot of them, they understand, you know, bringing the gringos in is a good thing because it brings in money. The gringos bring in money. They spend money. You know, you can double your rates or whatever, and they don't know the difference. Yeah, capitalists right? yeah. love this yeah. this type of maneuver. It's good for it's good. If you might Spanish might be, uh, you know, dust. In, yeah. the ne- in the next 50 years. And that's just the way that it works. And people, and gentrification happens. People move and move and move mm-hmm. with, they vote with their feet. 
That's just the that's just the nature of humanity. That's just how it works. I mean, we all three of us have done just this. We yeah. moved to New Hampshire specifically uh, to to better our lives, and I, and some of the locals here in New like Hampshire it. do not like, like it. it. And all they do is complain and create Facebook groups. They and, just and, had a rally and, about and us. write articles about how yeah. they hate us and how we need to go away. Oh yeah. Same old story. Get over it. I mean, it's just how it works. And and I, as far as I can tell, I've and I'm I'm a hardworking dude, and I've I have I have brought uh, wealth, capital, mm-hmm. uh, human human capital to this to this this town. Right. Embrace it, and maybe you can make some money off of it instead of just complaining about it. Yep. So the State Department says there are 1.6 million U.S. citizens living in Mexico. Although it doesn't know how many are based in the capital, Mexican uh, um, Mexican census data track only foreigners who have applied for residency, and most remote workers do not. Okay, and by it, the way, Mexico's population is estimated at about 128 million, so we're talking about so around a small 1%. little fraction. Yeah, um, that's all of Mexico. Yeah, um, and it seems like uh, it's and, and, and this article says that you don't even need a visa uh, for no. the for the first six months. After that, yeah. So you need a residency visa, and you can go online. And I haven't really, I, I, I've gone to a web page that explains the the back and forth, but I haven't figured out uh, how the, the what it costs and whatnot. It's probably pretty cheap. I know people. I'm not going to say who, but I know people in Acapulco who have lived there for probably a decade now or close to it, and they've never gone through any of the procedures. They just moved there. They just moved there and they stayed there. Now. To be fair, they don't tend to like to leave their house very much. They're kind of hermits or whatever. So, I mean, maybe the risk is higher if you're going around. But I, I'll i tell you this. I just watched the episode, the most recent episode of The Anarchists on HBO. And not to spoil it for anybody that's planning on watching it, but there's a character who the police are actively looking for because there was a murder that, that happens. That's not giving too much away. Um, and so one of the people that was connected to this situation, the police are looking for her. Well, they find her at one point, and they take her into custody, and they ask her some questions, and she is worried that she's going to, because she had left the United States because she was facing criminal charges right. in the U.S. for marijuana, and she didn't want to go back, be deported back to the U.S. I can't she's, say I blame her. The U.S. has a horrible human rights track right. record. So that's why she ran to Mexico, and she's worried, okay, great, now I'm in the hands of the police, now they're just going to take me back to the border and, you know, kick. nope, they let her go. <laughs> they let her go. So it's like, how often does it actually happen that somebody who overstays their welcome in Mexico even gets found out? Right. I don't know. And, and how many people who are not on this list of uh, uh, 1.6 million, how, how many people have fl- just fled the law, in mm-hmm. U.S. law, they haven't reported themselves, they haven't gotten a visa. Right. So, I mean, there could be, there could could be, be two million. Who could knows? be millions. Yeah. The anecdotal evidence is compelling. In the first four months of the year, this year, 1.2 million foreigners arrived in Mexico City's airport. Alexandria Demu, who runs the relocation company Welcome Home Mexico, said she gets 50 calls a week from people contemplating a move. We'll talk more about it coming up here, and uh, your calls and thoughts are welcome, especially if you have expatriated. Maybe you are uh, currently in Mexico. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. And take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 
website at freetalklive.com we have our social media platforms just go to social.freetalklive.com you can interact with other free talk live listeners and some of the hosts there as well and it is our platform meaning we run the server it's a mastodon based system so it's federated with the thousands of other mastodon servers out there and it works real well Uh, you can go there and have a lot more freedom to speak than you would on places like facebook and twitter go try it out for yourself at social.freetalklive.com uh, Conan, you got more about the Mexican situation, right? Uh, I was just—I'm still looking at the visa requirements. If you want to do this legally, you want mm-hmm. to go to Mexico and take advantage of their—you know—their their low everything. Yeah, and nice people. Mostly, I mean, why wouldn't mostly. people? I mean, there's so much work being done online now via Zoom and all of this other stuff and yeah. remoting in. I, I can't imagine if, you know, if I had an IT job that I could just do remotely or whatever, why not go to Mexico and save a bunch Absolutely. of money? I mean, even if it's just for, you know, even if you're going to visit for a little while, a year or two. So you have the couple different types of visa. You have your tourist visa, which mm-hmm. you can, I think you can just, U, uh, U.S. citizens can just go there and get one, I think. I don't think you have to apply beforehand. Yeah. Uh, you have a business visa student visa, and a temporary resident visa. This type of visa is for individuals who wish to live in Mexico for a period of time. To apply for a temporary resident visa, you must have proof of financial means to support your stay in Mexico and a clean uh, criminal record. Hmm. So just go to their their uh, their website, the Mexican government website there, and uh, there's going to be a fee. I think it's probably not more than this was for 20, the 30 bucks. Visa? Was this was, was for the temporary resident. Temporary visa. resident. That's but weird yeah, because but, Mark Edge went down there and I think he got something like that and he's got a felony on his record. Well, I mean, if, you, he, <laughs> if, if you've got enough money, they'll give you whatever you want. He might have got a tourist visa, hmm. uh, ty- uh, which no, this I type of visa. I think he now. got some sort of residency there. Uh, yes, yeah, so a residency or citizenship or something. He got is, something. Yeah. Well, according yeah. to this, according to this site. Uh, he shouldn't have been well, able to. Like you said, you know, money goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, but you're guaranteed to get one if you if you yeah. can, you know, meet those qualifications. Right. But I mean, if you've got enough money, I'm, I'm I have no doubt that they can make that you know no criminal history <laughs> qualification go away. All right, let's go to the phones here. We can talk more about Mexico. Uh, wait, wait, he's he served his time though, right? He did, but care. he's still a felon. But he's but that's a clean. He's that's no, not he's, a clean record. It's also not okay. No, it's not a clean record. Uh, Greg's on the line in New York City. Speaking of uh, rents, boy, Greg, what do you, I know you weren't necessarily calling about this. Maybe maybe you were. Uh, yeah. What uh, what's well, the rents like there in New York these days? Funny that you ask. I'm looking for a new apartment, and I looked at the stuff in the city. You know, you guys should Google this guy, Jimmy. Oh, I forget his last name. He he always runs for mayor. And Jimmy Justice. Is this no, the rent's no, too damn high guy? The rent is too oh, damn high. <laughs> we all know it who is. he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess what are you looking at? What are you, when you're going around looking at apartments in the city, what are you seeing? What, what uh, borough and what are you what are you looking at? Funny. So I went on apartments.com and for many days I was like looking these great apartments. I thought, hey, there's a studio for a studio apartment for like twenty one hundred dollars, which is <sighs> that's cheap, right? A, Apparently cheap in yeah. uh, in Manhattan, and wow. no. But here's here's the kicker of the of it is every time I called a real estate agent about it, they wouldn't return my call, or they would like kind of say it's off the market already. And I wondered. Mm. Finally today, I reached the real estate agent who said she was like so frustrated. She's like, I'm getting so many calls from this site. They're just resurrecting old listings that I used to have like two years ago uh-huh. and putting them up without my permission. They're wasting everyone's time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So that might be out of yeah. date. That twenty one hundred. That might be an old rent. 
might be higher oh, now. Yeah. Oh, I asked her, like, so what are the prices now? And she goes, well, I don't have any studios, but the one bedroom started at 3300 or something like that. <laughs> that would have been my guess was something about 50% higher. So Wow. That's insane. Does, does that at least include utilities, or do you have to uh, pay for power bill and stuff like that on top? Oh, uh, it all depends. It yeah. all depends. I gotcha. You know, I call in sometimes uh, with uh, liber- since you brought up this topic, I want to ask you all something. Um, check this out. So, cities have democracy, right? I mean, people vote and they elect their politicians in the city, mm-hmm. right? And so, one of the things people vote for is rent control. And the reason they vote for rent control is the same reason why people vote to keep others out of their country to, you know, to say they drag our wages down. Well, in this case, they say they, they, you know, bring our rents up because what they're talking about is, oh, I used to live in the city for decades. And now these people are coming in who can afford all these rents and maybe they don't even live here. They're just parking their money, whatever. And so they get together and they basically say, well, I don't want this too much gentrification. I don't want to be priced out of living here. So I'm going to like put a cap on how much rent can go up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, do I don't know how many cities have this. It's certainly New York City is notorious for rent control. Uh, and of course, what the you know, the, the one of the problems that comes out of this is that landlords aren't allowed to raise the rent based right. on whatever market circumstances that they would need to raise the rent. So if their property taxes are going up, if their costs are going up, they're locked in to charging whatever it is that they're locked into charging by the rent control. And so as a result of that, uh, some of these rent control places end up becoming abs- absolute garbage uh, because the landlords are like, well, if I can't if I can't get the money in for my tenants, I'm sure as hell not going to fix the water heater or whatever, right? And then, like, and then they're accused of being slumlords, yeah. which, which in actuality... That a slum. Yeah, but in actuality, it was, it was you know not exactly their fault. I mean, they might be bad landlords, but, you know... Right. It's important to be able to get the money that uh, from your investment. Otherwise, why do it? I mean, to me, it's just the government telling people what they can and can't do with their own property, telling them what they can and can't. Using the threats of violence and the threats of force to say, right. no, you can't charge this amount of money for people to stay on your property. So to me, it's a non-starter. It's immoral. Well, and then like you see in cities like uh, Seattle and other places where... You know, the restrictions on building exist, so it's not like the market can just expand itself because the government won't let you. You can't just start building somewhere where there's an open or tear, a, you yeah. know, tear an existing yeah. building down. Try moving a trailer out in the middle of the woods anywhere in this yeah. country and try to get the uh, and do it legally and get and get the right. electric co- and get the electric company to come out and, and run power to your house. Mm-hmm. They won't do it because of laws. You can't even collect rainwater in some areas. But, you know, I just want to say that um, it it goes both ways, right? I mean, that same government also helps the landlord to evict the tenant with force uh, if they raise the rent. And tenants like, well, I don't have that much to pay. Well, too bad, then. you got to leave the premises. Not in New Hampshire, not in the winter. Landlords can't kick tenants out in the winter. (laughs) There's all kinds of laws that actually uh, bias against landlords in a lot of places, and they make it very difficult to deal with problem tenants because they have all these quote-unquote rights. I don't know that there are so many that many favorable laws that help support the landlord. Most most of them are in fact favorable towards the tenant, and the landlord gets the landlord gets screwed all the time. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to say, and maybe you guys can start a discussion about it. Um, Back in the 19th century, the original libertarians were mostly 
socialist libertarians, or at least they called themselves that. And the reason was because back then, the government was heavily on the side of the landlords and the industrialists and the capitalists. They would send the National Guard to beat striking people. And the Irish potato famine happened because of the landlords. Property rights were respected more than the starving peasants. Hang on, we'll let you tell the story here in uh, just a moment. The number 603-283-6160. If you want to join us here, we're talking about people expatriating from the United States down into Mexico, whether legal or not so much. And on the way, plus, uh, we got some crypto-related news that Aria wants to share, and you can bring up whatever you want on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open here, and you can join us at number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, Ian. Aria. And Conan. Uh, you can bring up anything you want. We've been talking about Mexico and people from the United States moving down there. And some people in Mexico, they don't like it very much. But I think, you know, in my experience, having visited down in Acapulco a little bit, it always seems like... You know, the the, uh, the Mexicans that we encounter, whether they be cab drivers or waiters or wherever it is you encounter them, they always seem very grateful to to see people from uh, from the United States. Because, you know, like, for instance, whenever I would go out to eat, Mark would say, oh, you don't have to tip here. It's like, well, I'm still going to tip anyway, because, like, this guy needs the, you know, the couple bucks or whatever more than uh, than I do. That's as, it, you know, Ian. You sold me. You know. I'm moving now. Oh, because you don't have to tip in Mexico? Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could finally go out again. Yeah, I guess you could, uh, Conan. But you know, it's, it's, you it's still, probably cheaper as well. I would still do it for the same reason that you you tip in the United States is to be remembered by the staff and be yeah. liked by them, right? So anyway, we can continue with that discussion. Uh, we go back to Greg though, who is calling about one of the worst cities in the world, uh, in uh, New York City, where the rents are crazy. But that wasn't the reason you called, Greg. You wanted to talk about socialist so-called libertarians, and we were kind of running out to the break there. So what were you trying to say? Um, oh, I just uh, I was going to call in about something else, but since we got on this topic, I wanted to say that the original libertarians in Europe, especially, um, were more on the socialist side. Back then, socialism was a word that they used to protest a lot of the uh, government enforced, uh, essentially force of the government used on the side of the capitalists and the industrialists and the employers. So, for example bringing out the National Guard to hit workers to get back to work if they're striking peacefully. Or, for example, uh, evicting people. So the Irish potato famine um, and the famines in Bengal and others uh, were pretty much man-made famines because of the system uh, of what happened in the 18th century. If you go to Wikipedia, uh, you'll find um, the Irish potato famine, causes and contributing factors. And then one of the things is that um, it says, during the 18th century, the middleman system for managing landed property was introduced. Rent collection was in the hands of the landlord's agents or middlemen. This assured the landlord of irregular income and relieved them of direct responsibility while leaving tenants open uh, to exploitation. It also goes on to talk about how um, later on, 1879, the league boycotted Quote, notorious landlords and members physically blocked the evictions of farmers. Subsequent reduction in homelessness and house demolition resulted in a drastic reduction in the number of deaths. 
So, so I really still don't understand. You know, I don't know how we got onto the Irish potato famine, dude, but I do not care about that. <laughs> what I don't understand is how somebody could call themselves a socialist and a libertarian at the same time. I mean, isn't a socialist... Especially prior to Karl Marx and the, the phrase capitalism and socialism in the first place. It, well, isn't a socialist somebody who believes that the state should control industry? No, not at all. Um, the original socialists were talking about cooperatives and workers owning a factory nothing to do with government violence at all uh, well the people the socialism is the people control the means but they use government to do it for them yeah i mean well, that's, that's the standard social. definition here i mean uh, dictionary.com a system of social organization that advocates the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution capital land etc by the community as a whole usually through a centralized government so, I mean, how, well, how that's not libertarian at all. I mean, libertarians tend to believe in, in property rights and the non-aggression principle. And if I, I used to hang out with a bunch of libertarian socialists, and the way that I understood it and made it easy for me to understand was they, they were anarcho-communists. They just didn't want to use the term yeah. communist or anarchist or whatever. They wanted to call themselves libertarian socialists for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, I call myself a girl. I get it. <laughs> but, I mean, well, they're, I, they're anarcho-communists. Yeah, you can be an anarcho-communist. Go uh, Google libertarian socialism, and you'll find it's anarcho-communism. Well, and what does that mean? They're they're communists. They don't believe there should be a state, and they believe that there shouldn't be hierarchies and all of this but other. But every nonsense. communist society has involved the state. I mean, oh, the theory I know, of, dude, it's stupid. The but... theory of communism, <laughs> right, that it tends to be applied at least, is that you have to have the state to even things out in society, and then magically it'll go oh, away no. at some point. I don't think. For example, I don't think so. And George Carlin, for example, was against the state, and he was way on the left. I'll say this. Uh, Native Americans, for example, didn't have the state, but they shared a lot of food in common. They had a lot of uh, socialism uh, within. What Native Americans didn't didn't have a state? Because there, there were hundreds of Native American communities in the United States, some, and some of them very much did have emperors and wars and states and stuff like that, Greg. Some, yeah, most of them, all of them. The vast majority. They all had a tribal leader. They all that they all looked up to, who called the shots. The state. Well, all human society then has someone at the top, right? I mean, yeah, we're a violent species. Right. So you can't completely be without governments. But what I'm trying to say, sure, we can. People in communes and uh, kibbutzes and uh, people in Israel building it up, or the hippies and the you know all that all that stuff is, in fact, the communes. I mean, they don't care about a state. What they care about is essentially taking care of each other um, and uh, and not someone... Well, uh, if they're willing elected. to do it voluntarily, that's totally fine. But, you know, so far, communism has involved the state and it has involved mass executions and mass poverty and huge problems uh, that, you know, so far, I mean, there's really no proof that communism is anything but that. I, I mean, excepting for the few people that might be on a commune on a voluntary basis together somewhere in Vermont uh, or whatever. It seems like the experiments in communism have absolutely failed. By the way, those communes in Vermont typically don't last long. And if they are, and, and, so, if, they, and if they have lasted years and years, it's usually just a family and some hmm. some yuppies who go visit them every now and then for a couple of weeks before they realize okay. what farm work is really like and they get kicked out. Or they're just Bernie Sanders <laughs> writing love letters all day long and then finally the commune's <laughs> like, no, we don't want this guy. You're out. Can't work. <laughs> you no, mean Bernie no, Sanders well, porn fantasies? Yes, yeah. exactly. Love letters. But also, the capitalist version has a statist 
capitalism, state capitalism, look at the famines that happened in Bengal and India under the British Raj and the Irish potato famine, everywhere that the British Empire decided to have the East India Company or some other thing engaged in a bunch of bloody uh, repressions of property and food and it happens under any system with government, regardless. Sure, that's why we got to get rid of it. It's it, by the way, it's getting ready to happen again in the next couple of, in the next decade. What is famine? Uh, serious, serious famine. It might not be oh, really, really bad in this country or in Europe, mm-hmm. but the third world countries they're going to get hit hard by this nonsense. Thank and, you, and, Greg. And it all thanks to government manip- manipulation, central leader, uh, central planners uh, trying to make uh, decisions mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of the entire human population. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to die. Thanks for the call tonight, Greg. Appreciate hearing from that, you. You know that 500 million goal, uh, population yeah, goal on, 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 the, uh, on, the, on the Georgia Guidestones? Yeah. I think they're, I think they're, they're after it. I think they're serious about it. Mm-hmm. The number is 603-283-6160. So we were talking about people moving to Mexico and just staying there. And the story you were sharing gave a couple of examples. They interviewed a guy from... Uh, one of the universities about it. I'm curious. I know you were kind of skipping around the story. Did they talk to anybody else, or did they just keep coming back to this one academic and his complaints? No, no they talked to a lot of a lot of the mm-hmm. locals. Uh, like I said, the the happiest of the of the uh, locals were the you know Airbnb uh, renters are not renters, but yeah, uh, property landlords, owners. Mm-hmm. property owners. Uh, some some restaurants very happy. Sure, the hotels are very happy. Uh, but uh, some of the locals who have some questions and I, and I, I, and I feel for these people if, especially when you consider that a lot of these are, are uh, digital nomads, mm-hmm. they're working online and they might not necessarily be bringing anything to your community. They might, they're bringing money. They, that's, that's it. That's it. So their money stays, but they're not actually, for example, I'm, I am not, you, you are a digital nomad in, in a way, Ian. I'm uh, locked to Keene, New Hampshire. I mean, in theory, I could be, but uh, I barely ever. Uh, but leave I mean, here. but you bring you bring capital to the entire, the whole. Everyone who's listening to the show is 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 being uh, entertained. Well, uh, I hope so. By Ian, uh, whereas I am more uh, supplanted in Keene, where I actually have a job here. These digital nomads aren't necessarily a part of the culture, and they're changing it. Mm, there's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Bring up whatever you want to talk about. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Aria. And Conan. Join us online anytime at freetalklive.com. You can uh, enjoy the various features there, including our podcast feeds. Just go to feeds.freetalklive.com. You'll find different RSS feeds there. There's the full RSS feed, which has everything that we produce uh, in it. And then there's a couple of variants. There's one that's got only the Free Talk Live digests and then one with just the full shows. So you can subscribe to whichever one you want in your favorite podcast client or use some of the links you'll find there to link over to our show on various different existing podcast platforms that you probably have heard of. Uh, so go to feeds.freetalklive.com and you can do that. So Conan, uh, what else did you want to share from this story about the people? What where was the source on this, by the way? L.A. Times. L.A. Times. Uh, I just just that I I feel for people in Mexico. I feel for some of these people who are having concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I don't time, want a bunch of New Yorkers coming here either. But I don't at the same time, this is how it works. If you didn't want rich people coming to your neighborhood, you should have had higher 
rent. <laughs> How's you, that going to stop rich people from coming? You shouldn't have made it so uh, uh, likable. You should not be hospitable, likable people. You should be angry, <laughs> nasty people. But well, who wants to live that life, Conan? Exactly. This, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is how it works. Well, that's um, the thing. Most people are not angry uh, inhospitable people. Most people are good people, and they want to be kind to others and welcoming to others. And it's the angry, inhospitable ones that are mad about this. So you know, too bad for them. Let them stew about it. it yeah, but I mean, but they I can't mean, do anything about it. No, you can't. But I mean, you. But just consider this. I mean, we t- we looked at the numbers. I mean, you the Mexicans outnumber visitors yearly annual visitors sure. by a crazy ratio. Um, and and you're not going to English is not going to become the uh, uh, the number one speaking language in the next year. Doesn't seem like it. No, I, I don't see that happening. If if you've ever been to South Florida, where you know we both grew up in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, half of the half of the state is Spanish speaking, and it's it's never bothered me. I mean, nope. you might you might go down to Miami and try to sh- buy some groceries, and and there is everything's in Spanish, and none of the. Uh, I've never been to Miami, so I never had that experience where there's even. Like, even where I come from in Florida, which is the West Coast of Florida, I never had any kind of issue speaking anything but English. I I was many, many, many uh, times in Miami, you know, in grocery stores where there was no English speaking at all. I Mm. mean, it was just, it was nothing but Spanish. And uh, I got by just fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah, worst case scenario, go to a different store. I mean, my, I guess my only, my only real gut concern is like if the culture was to be just, uh, just erased overnight. I don't see that happening, but culture does change. It will mm-hmm. evolve. It will become something new, and you just you can't you can't be that conservative that wants to hold on to. When I say conservative, I mean someone who actually does not want to experience change in their yeah. lives ever. But that's not how humanity works. That's not yeah. how that's not how the world revolves. It will change, and you just got to get go with the times. And sometimes they're gonna they're going to. The bad guys, in this case, you know that they, they are being considered the these white yuppies, um, are going to kick you out. They're going to run you off. There must and be you, places, and, and there will always be somewhere else to move. Yeah, so I was going to say there must be places, if not in New, in Mexico City, which is a huge city, by the way. I mean, I've never had the chance to explore it, but having just flown into it and seen it, it's just gigantic. Uh, you know, there must be places to go where no gringos are allowed, right? There must be apartment buildings or kind of like... It, or where gringos know, don't want to go because well, it's just... Because I, those are where the angry, those, those probably, where the angry yeah. Mexicans are. Yeah. yeah. To, well, to have a sign that this is like, no gringos allowed, I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> no, it's no, it's happening. This article talks about it. They have they have posters up where they want the gringos... You're, really? Uh, claiming the gringos are a plague and we want you to wow. get, out of, get wow. out of town. Okay, I stand oh, I'm corrected. Sorry, an, an effing plague. That's an interesting part of the the story. That's what they said about free staters recently at that Democratic rally here in Keene. We were a plague or something. They said at the rally, well, there was a lot said at that rally, but they said that uh, free staters are an invasive species. That was it. And recently, another online Democrat said that they should be exterminated, that free staters should be exterminated. That's a bit much, dude. So he wants to kill trans people. Wow. Sure, yeah. Anybody that's a free stater should be exterminated, according to this person. Recently, expletive-laced posters appeared around town. New to the city? Working remotely? They read in English. You're an effing plague and locals <laughs> effing hate you. Leave. Wow. That's just one, oh of, my. The, that's one of the posters. And it's been, it might it just be... It sounds like Stop Free Keen. It does. Yeah. So yeah. I, Just I, haters? You know, I wouldn't want this to happen to me. The crazy thing I don't, is, I don't, I don't ever, I don't see it happening in a long, long time. But you know, in in fifty years, when I'm when I'm good mm-hmm. and retired, 
you know, ready to, you know, get buried. Keen might be something, might not be what it is right now. The thing is, like in Keen, people are mad because the free staters, the libertarians that have migrated here are activists. We're out in yeah. Central Square holding signs. We're going to the city council meeting, getting arrested for, you know, having open containers of alcohol. There's civil disobedience that's been going on. We we have made headlines in so many different ways. What's going on down there is completely different. These people, the the, the gringos that are coming there, they just want to be on their laptop and have an internet connection and cheap tacos, right? Like, they're not there to change society. They're not there to get involved yeah, in the way the government Yeah, but their presence there, as Conan was talking about, their, their presence there will change will society. Change now look, they have Pilates shops and avocado toast and all this other look stuff. At, look, at, look at Silicon Valley. Look at Austin, Texas. These these were places that we would would probably have wanted to live in 30 years ago. I would, I suggest, I would never want to go there mm-hmm. these days. I think Mexican culture is strong enough to survive avocado toast. I do too. I think so too. Well, I mean, avocados come from Mexico, so yeah, it's not like... Well, avocado actually, toast. Actually, you know what? It probably evolved in Mexico, and then, then they just gave it away, and the, mm-hmm. and the Californians took it up, they, they, you know, these hip, hipsters. By the way, I had avocado toast, toast for the first time. Really? I my, never had my, it before. My, but, bo- my boss heard me complaining about it, about the people who eat uh-huh. it, and so she got some for me for breakfast. How was it? It was, it was just like what you would expect, avocado on a toast. Well, I've see, never eaten an avocado, so I, I don't know what to expect. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. You, you need to before the, you can't get them anymore. Well, first of all, the Mexican avocados are gone from the stores around here. Okay. They used to be the best. Best avocados were from Mexico. Like if you get a avocado from but Peru. Cal- but California and Florida are still there's available. There's a bunch of them from Peru right now, and they're just not as, they're not as good. For whatever reason, I don't huh. know why that is. It's just the way it is up here. Um, but I mean, different weather, different climate, all that. Maybe I, if I could grow uh, them, if I could grow an avocado tree, I would. Just like I know a citrus yeah, tree, but that's, it's, never, it's not happening. But but the, but five dollars for some 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 avocados spread on some toast. It's crazy. Or whatever price these kids. It's it's dumb. See, that's what I thought when I first heard about avocado toast, Conan. I'm like, what is that all about? Avocado on toast. It sounds boring, right? It does. Um, but uh, then I met Bonnie, and she was into the avocado toast, but she does it up. Like, she does, like, all these spices and stuff on there, and you can let, throw in a layer of meat if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, make it a little more interesting, some cheese, and it's yeah, you actually could, you really could, good. You could make a good yeah. good little meal out of this. But yeah, if it was just avocado on toast, I'd be like, that's stupid. Well, that's what I got. Yeah. But it was, <laughs> but it was, it was all right, but I would never spend... That sounds like the New England version I of would it. never... Yeah, it was from uh, Starbucks or one of these Oh, they co- actually went places. and paid somebody to make it? Yeah. Oh, I thought they just made it themselves for you, Conan. Wow. No. No. No, 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 no. How but hard I, is it to make avocado toast, though? It sounds like hard. it'd be... I mean, yeah, it's like making yeah. toast, it depends, right? It depends on if there's any avocados available. Okay, good, but assuming ones. you can find an avocado, it's like you all you have to be able to do is like toast bread. Toast bread, right. mash up some avocado, yep, maybe put some on spices there. on it like yeah. like Bonnie does, and smear it on some bread like like peanut butter. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's what not is work- the consistency it's- of avocado if you can mash it up and spread it on bread? I can't bread. believe we're talking to somebody who's been around wow. for a few decades and has never had an I avocado. Guess, I guess I'm proud that Arya is not in that in that group that I'm labeling. You never had guacamole? No, it's gross. It's this gross green stuff. I don't want to eat that. <laughs> but you haven't. Have you even? Do you like hummus? Yes. I, well, it's kind of. In, it's this. It's the cousin. It's a cousin. <laughs> I only had hummus recently, though. Like here at the studio, like okay, a week or well, two ago. Okay. Well, now we wow. need to introduce you to guacamole. 
Conan's over here. Okay, I just want, for the record, Conan is over here trying to sell me on avocado toast. No, no, just first, so no, 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 let's, no, 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 let's, He's just trying to sell you on avocado let's go, let's go guacamole first yeah. with some chips. And if you like that, avocado toast is next in line. It's not bad. It's we good. We gotta come but up I, with something else. So I don't, I don't eat snack food like chips and stuff. Though mm, we got, we gotta mm. come up with something else for the guacamole. It's not a. All right. It's not a snack. Chips it, are. Well, yeah, chips are a snack. Yeah, if they're plain chips, but the but the but the center of the piece is the guacamole. No, chips are just like the. That's like the spoon that you're eating the guacamole with. That's literally snacking, though. No, I don't think so. Hmm. I'm going to say that chips and dip, no matter the type of dip, is a snack. I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say I that is never a meal. Yeah. No I can trust it. me. I can make hummus and or guacamole or any of the above turn into just a straight meal. That's all I'll eat, <laughs> and I'll eat a lot of it. <laughs> Except I can't afford avocados anymore, so it's like that's really? bye bye. I'm not paying a two dollars for an avocado. It's that dumb. Much. They're not that much yet. Yet, not that much. It's coming. All right, there's more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. We'll get into a little bit of crypto news. Apparently, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges is being targeted by the U.S. government. There's an investigation that they might have evaded the sanctions on Iran. We can talk about that. Your calls and thoughts are welcome as well. Hour number three is coming up on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. Kicking off the third hour of the show. And as always, you can bring up anything you want. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Aria. And Conan. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. And then coming up, Aria's got some crypto news with a crypto, one of the top Exchanges being targeted for allegedly violating sanctions against Iran. Uh, we'll get into that here. But first, Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Um, yes. I've been hearing that our city, um, they're going to have the speeding cameras and make it permanent. So um, I guess when they started out, it was supposed to be like mobile, mobile vans moving around and um, kind of moved around. Now it's going to be like permanent, which is good. I'm all in favor of it. And I Why? just hope. Aria, she, he, she, she's been telling us that she's in favor of the speeding cameras for like what? I know, but why is she in favor? What, what do you think they're going to accomplish? What do you think they're going to achieve? Well, you know what? I actually live at Albuquerque. We have number one pedestrian per capita fatalities. Uh-huh. Um, if you were to live here, you would feel the same way I would do. You live in New Hampshire. Would they, would they have law and order? This is the wild, wild <laughs> This is the live free or die uh, uh, state. We, um, we, have, we have roundabouts. We don't, even do, yeah. we don't even do stoplights. We have roundabouts, and people just go around in circles and that's how we get around. Yeah, we that's how we get around we, cameras. First of all, even if even if we give Sarah her belief that the speeding cameras are going to affect people, because I don't think, but we, they have the care. highest pedestrian fatality thing or whatever at this. Right, but but let's right. just give her that that point. Let's just say, all right, speeding cameras go in. All of a sudden, everybody's doing the speed limit, which is completely unrealistic to believe. But let's go ahead and give it to her. So let's presume the speed limit. What, what's typical speed limit around the city, Sarah? Is it 45, 50? Do you even pay I attention? It's supposed to be like 
35 usually on the regular road and maybe like, I don't know, uh, 25 or 35, 20 25. in the residential. All right. So most people, they speed 5, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit typically. Uh, so let's say you got somebody who would, would have gone 45 miles an hour on their way to work is now going 35 miles an hour and they're deathly afraid to go more than, more than, you know, mile per hour over the speed limit because they just know the speeding cameras are going to get them. And so if you've got a big problem with pedestrians being hit by cars, that means you, you have a problem with pedestrians who don't know how to deal with cars. Correct. Meaning they are just walking out in the street without looking, or they're just so drunk they're falling into the street or whatever. I mean, I guess if the same idiotic pedestrians are getting hit at 35 miles an hour versus 45 miles an hour... Some of them might survive that instead of, you know, completely dying at a 45 mile an hour hit. But I don't know how many of them. I suspect it still hurts a lot to get hit at 35 miles an hour as it does at 45. But I'm I'm not an expert in what an extra 10 miles an hour is going to do to a human body. Either way, I think you're going to be pretty bad off whether you survive it uh, is another question. But for some reason, people people are, um, they welcome the feeding cameras. No, they don't. No, you do. No, but here's the thing, they're more, they're, uh, they're, but they fight the red light cameras. They cite you for 20 different things going through an intersection. Those ones, it gets everybody really worked up. You're saying so, you don't think people are as upset about speeding cameras as they are red light cameras? But, yeah, that's what, what makes that's you what say that? About. Well, I mean, they tolerate it. I mean, they, I don't see them coming out in probes. I mean... I mean, packing the city hall, or I don't see any big deal about it. And most, most people, a lot of people are in agreement if it just gets you for speeding only. They're more tolerant of it. You know mm. what I mean? I'm, Do you I think mean, she's I, right I, about that? that? I was doing the math on, you know, how much it would, what the difference is between getting hit at 35 miles per hour and getting hit at 45 miles per hour. Actually, where it's going to be a difference of about 8 to 10%, maybe up to 25%, because hmm. it's just force equals mass times acceleration, right? So if the cars oh, okay. are way the same either way, then yeah, the, the difference in speed is going to be the main factor there. I guess I want to know, are these pedestrian deaths, is it from cars that are veering off of the road and, and they're hitting people on the sidewalk, or are these idiots who are crossing the road, they're, they're thinking that the car is just going to magically stop for them because there's, mm. there's a bubble of protection around them because there's a, there's a crosswalk, right? Yeah. And they don't look, which is a problem all over this country. We have idiots who think that this thing is, is going to protect them from a semi. It's, it's not just pedestrians either. I mean, I, I recently watched the Keen chat on Facebook uh, come, erupt into this argument about how to use roundabouts correctly. And they're like, look, if you're going straight or whatever, don't use the right lane. They were, they were like, you're, technically, you should be able to do this. Or you should be able to do that. And like, look, it really doesn't matter. You can make this thing not an issue if you don't. It doesn't matter if you're in the right or not. Mm-hmm. That's not going to matter when your car is totaled, right? You, yeah. You're like, well, I was in the right here. Well, okay. Well, well you, now you're paraplegic. Yeah. You still don't have a car anymore, and now, yeah, and now they broke your spine. So what's right isn't necessarily important. Is you know maybe sure pedestrians have the right of way. You can screen that all day long while you're in the hospital with your broken neck if that's what you yep. want to do. And she never answers that question about what kind what are the circumstances surrounding the pedestrian deaths that's she very, has, that's very she important doesn't have that I information mean, well it's true what you're saying in the book like the the code or the ordinance city the, the pedestrians do have a right away but in practice the in albuquerque but, drivers that drive the cars 
have a right of a way if you don't if you get You're damn right they do they're driving a two-ton death machine and if you stand step in their way you get what you get yeah i don't care what the law says uh i look both ways and I don't walk around. I right. don't walk down the sidewalk with my with my face buried in my cell phone, mm-hmm. which is a huge problem. And I and I drive around town and I see it all the time. People I see drivers pe- with their face in their cell phones. Cell phones not just too. Dri- not just walking down the sidewalk, face buried in their phone, walking across yeah. the crosswalk right in front of me. What I'm about see- the people with headphones in, man, riding their bikes and walking around, cr- taking their bikes across crosswalks? They've got headphones in. They can't hear anything nope. going on around Completely them. Completely situa- yeah. the situational awareness is at near zero for a lot of these people. And then you combine that with people on their phones while they're driving, and you've got <laughs> a guaranteed <laughs> absolutely death or or serious bodily injury is going to come from that at some point. Yeah, Thank but, you, Sarah. But before I hear any more about uh, these these scanners, these sensors being implemented to slow, to to save people, because the government's so good at saving people from mm-hmm. problems they created in the first place, I want to know those stats. Yeah. I want to know, was the driver on a cell phone? I want to know if the pedestrian was on a cell phone. I want to know if there was alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. I want to know if they were, it was a crosswalk or it was some guy veering into the sidewalk. Those are important stats, and I don't think these, these sensors are going to do anything because I, I think I know what the problem is. It's you, people. You, you've got Darwin taking care of dumb yep. people, and that and that, you know what? I'm sorry, it needs to happen. I agree. It's too- and sometimes just careless people, not necessarily dumb, just careless. Yeah, sure, people make mistakes. Yeah, because they think that crosswalk is a magic protection of bubble. If ma- you're walking down the sidewalk, though, and minding your own business, you can't really help it if some drunk driver comes flying exactly. down Main no, Street at 60 miles an hour and kills you. Now, that's not Darwinian. That's just you know, that's just. The I way guarantee you happen. that is that is not going to be the majority of the pedestrians. Certainly deaths. not. Yeah. In any given city, I think it's people on crosswalks. I mean, they not, have snow not there. looking, thinking that that stoplight is going to actually stop that you know two ton truck from plowing into them. That's crazy. Well, they think that you know that's how it works. You know, that these people would never break the law. Nope. They would never run a stop sign <laughs> or a red light. And this is why. And by the way, and I, I always say it. People who li- who've listened to me for the years, they know this is why I love roundabouts so much. Is because it wakes you up. Because now you're coming to you come into an intersection where bad things can happen if you don't get yeah. off your cell phone, which you shouldn't be in yeah. anyways, and look around. And you know, it's it's, uh, 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 it's uh, anarchy. Four-way yep. stops were really popular in the South. And what I learned about those from, like, the first week after I had been driving was that no one has any idea when they get there who the next person to actually go is. <laughs> Every single person thinks, I came to a complete stop. Now it's I my must turn. be next. <laughs> Every single one of them. I never saw anyone else use four-way stops correctly because they just weren't yeah. paying attention. It was just They were just driving reflexively, not paying attention. Then suddenly, oh, who's next? Well, I'm stopped. I must be next. I think you make a good point about the roundabouts, Conan requiring people to pay attention because that's what the traffic lights take away. It's like, oh, yep. I got my light. Now I can just go. And then all of a sudden they don't pay attention because somebody's blowing through the uh, the intersection to get T-boned or whatever. Uh, you got to pay attention to get through a roundabout, no doubt. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. 603-283-6160. We're going to get into uh, a little bit of crypto news here with the Kraken Exchange being targeted apparently for allegedly avoiding sanctions. Ian Aria and Conan in the studio here tonight. And you can join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, 
and Libertarians coming up in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire next year in June the 15th through the 18th. That is the weekend before the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And you say coming up, man, people are so anxious about these freedom festivals. It's insane. Yeah, the Porcupine Freedom Festival has blown up in a big way. It's sold out the last two weeks in a row, and uh, ForkFest is moving back to the front. We are going uh, back where the whole thing started, which was when ForkFest happened before the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So that's going to happen in 20, uh, 2023. So you can join uh, Free Talk Live and other great liberty-minded folks there. Just All you have to do is reserve your RV site, your campsite, and your hotel room for June 15th through the 18th. Now, if you want to stay on through the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I would recommend you do that at the same time, which is to say reserve it as soon as possible yep. and get your Porcupine Freedom Festival tickets as soon as possible because they will sell out uh, if anything, if the last two years are any indication, and I suspect it's going to continue to be packed. Uh, in fact, 2022, the Porcupine Freedom Festival brought in an extra 500 tickets more than what they sold in 2021, and they sold out. So it's the park's maxed out. I don't think they're going to be able to fit more people in 2023. So get your tickets sooner rather than later. Forkfest, you don't need tickets. You can just show up, just hang out with the people that are there. That are there. And uh, if you, you know, again, if you want to stay for Forkfest, you should. I think you should. If you got the 10 days or 11 days uh, to do them both, do them both. Go to Forkfest.party to learn more. It's June 15th through the 18th, 2023. That's Forkfest.party. Uh, Aria, what's going on with Kraken, uh, one of the better exchanges in the United States? I mean, they're all well, government regulated. They're all controlled. But at least to the guy's credit that that runs the organization there, he's been getting attacked by the leftist woke media because he won't tolerate wokeism, basically, in his company. He says everybody in the company has a right to whatever opinion they, they want. We're not going to come after somebody because uh, they're not towing the line on whatever belief systems. And the New York Times did a, a whole expose about him and Kraken and so on. And it looks like the government's now targeting him. The Treasury Department is investigating whether the crypto exchange Kraken allowed users in Iran to buy and sell digital tokens, mm. said people with knowledge of the matter. One has to wonder if this is, in fact, some sort of blowback to exactly what you were just talking about, which is Kraken's unwillingness to play ball with the woke left. Mm-hmm. Kraken, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges, is under federal investigation, suspected of violating U.S. sanctions by allowing users in Iran and elsewhere to buy and sell digital tokens, according to five people affiliated with the company or with knowledge of the inquiry. The Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control has been investigating Kraken since 2019 hmm. and is expected to impose a fine, said the people. Uh, what? Oh, said so the five people. Okay, who declined to be identified for fear of retribution from the company. So it's more federal overreach, federal attempts to take down cryptocurrency and to to sort of wrangle the herd that is cryptocurrency into the cage. Total the, obedience. Yes, that the federal government wants them to be in. And take probably what will be millions of dollars in fines, right? Because they're not going to just come in with ten thousand dollars or whatever for a fine for this. This is they're going to be multi-million dollars. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to play this up as oh, you're helping the terrorists. 
Now, no one's getting charged criminally in this particular case at this point, but uh, millions of dollars, they'd be happy to you know skim that right off the top of their bank account. In this particular case, no one's being charged criminally, certainly. But uh, just last week, or maybe the week before, there was the study, the story about someone who worked at Coinbase being charged with something. I don't remember exactly what, hmm. but a lot of these crypto exchanges, they do have people who are being charged criminally. The federal government has increasingly cracked down on crypto companies, which are lightly regulated as the market for digital currencies have grown. Tether, a stablecoin company, was fined by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. That's the CFTC for misstatements about its reserves last year, while the Justice Department brought insider trading charges this month against an ex-employee of Coinbase. Mm. That was what I was referring to. Scrutiny of the industry has risen in recent months as the crypto market went into meltdown and several companies collapsed, like the Celsius Network. I've heard yep, they're I in bankruptcy. I don't remember what they were. And I know I've heard of them before. And I know we've they were talked one of the crypto loans companies where okay. you could deposit your crypto and they would pay you some number of APR, like five to eighteen percent, right. basically. And uh, you know, we we talked about them here on free talk live as sort of this interesting thing but also we warn people hey look not your keys not your coins you know there's a, there's a very high interest rate could be too good to be true i feel and, fairly certain that anytime we talked about them we mentioned that you know if it sounds too good to be true it yeah. probably is yeah. so people that had their money parked with them they may never see it again Kraken is a private company valued at $11 billion. By the way, before you go on, same thing's true with Kraken and all of these exchanges. They are all centrally managed, centrally owned. If you have cryptocurrency on Coinbase or Kraken or Binance.us or whatever other ones there are out there in the United States or anywhere in the world at this point, there's... You never know what's going to happen. The most common occurrence is one of these exchanges will be hacked, supposedly, and they'll lose they'll lose money and maybe you'll get it back. Maybe they were insured, maybe they weren't. You know, a lot of times people just lose when that when that happens. Or the federal government comes in and says, Well, we're just gonna take that yep. and they take all the exchanges money from their bank account, they close the exchange down, and you'd be lucky if you ever see uh, you know, a dime's worth of your crypto again. So this guy of uh, Kraken here, Jesse Powell, didn't he tweet out recently something to the effect of not your keys, not your crypto? He sure did. Yeah, he encouraged people, to his credit, to get their coins off their exchanges, including his own exchange. So we, He said, we cannot protect you from the government. And that is because hell of a sentiment. That is because they have to obey the, the state. They are a centrally controlled financial organization, and they, you know, the men in, with guns know where they work, and they'll come over and... Like they like this, they're dealing with now. They they are being accused of letting people from Iran trade cryptocurrency, which I think is a good thing. I I think that I think so as well because sanctions only hurt the Iranian people. Correct, and allowing them to use or them using cryptocurrency allows them to bypass those sanctions and reduce that harm that's being done to them by the U.S. government. That's good and to re- me, and reduce the harm being done to them by the Iranian government. That's the yes. big uh, to me. That's the biggest uh, loss here is if you tell the Iranian people they can't do business with. People in the United States, they can't get cryptocurrency from people in the United States. Well, then that means anybody that anybody that's in Iran that opposes the Iranian government is prohibited from doing anything about yep. the Iranian government financially by getting cryptocurrency and getting their money out of whatever the hell crap central uh, bank currency Iran has. By the way, those restrictions, those sanctions have been in place since 1979, mm. and and they're still in place. Yep. I mean, what is what has been have. What has been uh, what has, what has, what been, has been accomplished? Been, what has been achieved? Yeah. Nothing. It's still Nothing. a problem. Let the 
lift the sanctions or just let people be people, be, yeah. be free, uh, and allow Iranians to to operate in crypto, and that's the best way to get underneath their government. Absolutely. So Kraken is a private company valued at $11 billion that allows users to buy, sell, or hold various cryptocurrencies, obviously. And last year, the CFTC levied a $1.25 million penalty against Kraken for a prohibited trading service. It doesn't specify what that is, but wow. there is more about this article. And your calls and thoughts are also welcome at 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want to discuss. That's 603-283-6160. To control the airways here. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Yeah! Free Talk Live. Phones open. You can join us here. Number 603-283-6160. We're talking about evading sanctions or that's allegedly what they're saying the folks over at kraken have done by according to the government gang kraken allowing people from iran to trade on their platform and the libertarian i think the pro-freedom viewpoint on this is that sanctions shouldn't exist at all they only hurt the people of the countries the the fat cats the government goons in iran or venezuela or whatever you know north korea those people are cuba they're eating just fine i mean look at them look at kim jong-un from north korea that guy's he's fat he's fat (laughs) okay so sanctions against him have not harmed kim jong-un they're harming the north korean people and the same thing's true in Iran, although I don't know how many of their uh, bosses are fat over there. But uh, nonetheless, the people there are harmed by the fact that they cannot trade and create relationships, business relationships with people in the United States, cannot acquire cryptocurrency through U.S. crypto exchanges. And this is why I like exchanges like XMarcus, that's exmarcus.com, where you can sign up with just an email address. Mm-hmm. There, there's none of this. They don't know whether you're located in Iran or Kuwait or the United States or Canada or whatever, it's not their business. They don't care. Well, and they are probably not based in the United States either. <laughs> I would encourage them not to be. <laughs> yeah. So what else do we need to know about this story, Arya? Well, in an internal, it's interesting. We talked a little bit, little bit about Jesse Powell. It's interesting the some CEO of the perspectives of that he's taken in things. Like in an internal conversation about employee benefits in 2019, Jesse Powell suggested he would consider breaking the law in a wide range of situations, if the advantages to the company outweighed potential penalties. Okay, makes sense. Uh, the, the article is extremely lengthy here. It takes them forever to actually get into what they're alleged to, to be doing. But basically, the Treasury Department warned the cryptocurrencies, quote, potentially reduce the efficacy of American sanctions. And it released a 30-page compliance, 30-page compliance manual that recommended cryptocurrency companies use geolocation tools to weed out customers in restricted regions because, I mean, they could never think to use a VPN. Mm-hmm. Scrutiny of the industry obviously has risen in recent months, as recent years, I would suggest, as the crypto market went into meltdown and several companies collapsed. Oh, I scrolled up back up too far. Sorry. A Treasury spokeswoman said the agency, that's the CFTC or the Treasury does not confirm or comment on potential or ongoing investigations and was committed to enforcing, quote, sanctions that protect U.S. national security because somehow U.S. national security is served by starving the poor people of Iran. Doesn't make any sense to me. 
It's straight up propaganda, fear mongering. Oh my God, Iran terrorism. Everybody there is a terrorist. Well, on the subject of propaganda, sanctions, this is the New York Times, obviously. Sanctions are some of the most powerful tools the United States government has to influence the behavior of nations it does not consider allies. What a load. Does not work. But cryptocurrencies pose a threat to sanctions because the digital coins don't flow through the traditional banking system, making the funds harder for the government to control. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's that's why we like it so very, very much. Mm -hmm. In October, the Treasury Department warned the cryptocurrencies... And that's why they're cracking down as hard as they can. They're desperate to try to stop cryptocurrency, to try to scare people away from it, and to try to put as much pressure on the businesses, the centralized corporations that are dealing with it. But the good news is that the more pressure they put on these companies, the more interest there is in decentralized alternatives to them. Yes, The fact that crypto can move without a bank or intermediary means that exchanges are responsible for certain types of financial regulatory compliance, said Haley Lennon, who's an attorney. A lawyer at Anderson Kill, who handles regulatory issues in crypto. Kraken and the issue of sanctions surfaced in a November 2019 lawsuit by a former employee from the finance department who accused the startup of generating revenue from accounts in countries that were under sanctions. He said he had taken the matter to Kraken's chief financial officer and the top compliance officer official in early 2019. That same year, OFAC, the Office of Foreign, I don't know, whatever. Began, foreign Assets Control. Yes, thank you. Began investigating Kraken, focusing on the countries, the company's accounts in Iran. The people familiar with the investigation said Kraken's customers have also opened accounts in Syria and Cuba. They, by the way, make similar allegations recently against Binance. I don't know if you heard about that. Binance, they, they have... They have uh, two they, divisions. There's the okay. well. There's more than two, I think. There's some for other countries, but there's Binance, the big one, which is the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume, and, and there's Binance.us, Binance. US, which is nowhere near as uh, as popular. But they actually are claiming that the big Binance has been avoiding sanctions. They're they're trying to say that Binance, which is not based in the U.S. but has a subsidiary that yep. is based in the U.S., has to also follow U.S. sanctions. Yeah, that's not going to hold up well for them. I mean, the U.S. government doesn't understand so, where its jurisdiction ends. So according to Reuters, Binance is still uh, making conducting trades with Iran right really? now as we speak. Oh, So wow. why aren't they also being targeted right now? Or are I heard they, they were. Or, or are they next? Well, Binance, as we were just saying, is not a U.S. company. But they are being targeted. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on Free Talk Live. I... Target, targeting news. as in fines and I don't know what the I don't know what the US government can do about a company that doesn't isn't based in the United States not following their precious sanctions. Right. Well they can, ultimately they can do whatever they well, want. Well that's the difference between Kraken and Binance, is that the correct one one there yeah, one is on US and soil and the other one isn't. In twenty twenty, the Office of Foreign Asset Control fined BitGo, a digital wallet service with an office in California, more than ninety eight thousand dollars for one hundred and eighty three apparent sanctions violations. That's actually somewhat cheaper than I would have expected for uh, sanctions violations. It also fined BitPay, an Atlanta based cryptocurrency crypto payment provi- processor, more than five hundred thousand dollars for about two thousand apparent violations. Coinbase also disclosed in a 2021 financial filing that it had sent notices flagging transactions that may have violated sanctions, although the agency hasn't taken any enforcement action. So Coinbase, being the good little sheep they are, told on themselves to the government. 
So uh, just a little bit more about Binance here. The article from Reuters was from a few weeks ago, and it is just a Reuters investigation. So it's not an action by the United States government at this point. It's essentially Reuters saying, oh, look over there, Binance is trading with Iran. Again, I don't know what can can come out of that, but that's that's what they're alleging. Well, it's the media being the puppet arm of the government, as we've long talked about. Mr. Powell co-founded Kraken in 2011 and was an early proponent of Bitcoin. In 2018, the New York Attorney General's office asked Kraken and 12 other exchanges to answer a questionnaire about their operations. Kraken. Oh, did they just ask? In 2018. Well, they only asked. Answer these if you want to continue doing business. (laughs) Right. Kraken did refuse to respond. Oh, wow. And called New York hostile to business on Twitter. That's a fact. New York yeah. is the uh, the state that passed what they call the Bit License back in 2015 and cracked down on uh, Bitcoin-oriented businesses. There's very few of them that actually even bother to try to get through the hoops to service people in New York. And then it talks about, you know, some of the uh, the attacks on wokeism or whatever that started around 2019. These questions about parental leave and legal requirements and all this other stuff. And that was where uh, Jesse Powell said, you know, it's not worth the risk to not follow the legal requirement, uh, it, it, there's a lot of double negatives and triple negatives in here that make it very hard to understand. But not following the law would, by default, be ill-advised. But it also it always has to be considered as an option," said Mr. Powell. So, I mean, they provided people with you know what they were legally required to, not because they felt that it was a good idea or anything like that, but because you know there were penalties associated with it, which is more right. or less how you would expect a company to react. I don't believe for a moment that the reason that Burger King is providing people with, you know, health insurance or whatever is because they care about their employees. They have to. It's because the government came along and said, hey, you have to do this. And like, yeah, it's going to cost us too much money if we disobey. So Mm -hmm. let's just obey. That's about the end of this article. It talks a little bit more about Kraken and various things they may or may not have done. Some some people in Iran, some in Syria, some in Cuba, according to figures seen by the New York Times. But ultimately, it's just saying, hey, look, crypto is bad because it lets people get around sanctions. And we're like, yes, that's the point. That's the point. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us. Bring up whatever is on your mind. Here in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live, which are coming up. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Aria. And Conan. And you can join us anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features there. We get our chat server, which is a matrix-based server over at chat.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, including people that don't listen to the show. They just want to be on the chat server. You can do that, too. Uh, chat.freetalklive.com. In uh, completely unrelated news, I've been holding on to this one for uh, for a few weeks, and we on Free Talk Live have been following over the years the struggles of the old media, and yes, I'm aware that we are old media. We're on broadcast radio here on Free Talk Live on a, a media format that's over 100 years old at this point. 
we're mostly old media, but we're also on the internet. We, we are. Uh, Free Talk Live was podcasting, as the ad says, before podcasting was even a thing. That's so. true. Yeah, we've been doing uh, digital versions of Free Talk Live since day one of the show back in 2002. So there's no doubt we've always existed in both realms. But it's been fascinating to watch as uh, old media struggles to deal with the, the age of information, the internet age, where anyone can go online find any amount of content that they want to it's just this, this huge bevy of information is out there so many different shows so many different newspapers or blogs or whatever there's just the content is is endless now whereas yeah. it used to be you know you had one newspaper in town maybe if you were in a big city you'd have two uh, and then whatever handful of radio stations the FCC has allowed you to have, and maybe if you had you know enough population, a TV station. Or yeah, two. they're all it. they're all trying to start their own podcasts, which some of them are. Some people are listening. You mean the to, old like, media like, people? Like, yeah, like NPR. I think people actually listen to that. A lot but, of people listen to them. Yeah. But uh, there are other outlets that have not done so well. Right. Some, like you're saying, have managed to, as I think they call in the business, pivot. Right. They change their their business a little bit and try to embrace the digital side of things. But newspapers have probably had the most difficulty of all of them. I mean, people still like television. They just don't like to watch it in linear format anymore. Now you can go on the various different services and, you know, see whatever shows you want whenever you want. So that's that's easy now. But newspapers, they've always been yesterday's news today. There's yeah. always a big delay between when the news happens and when people get it. And as a result of that, AP News reporting here that despite a growing recognition of the problem, the U.S. continues to see newspapers die at the rate of two per week. Two newspapers completely dying. I'm not upset by that. I mean, they don't really serve a useful function in society these days. I mean, what good is it? Other than, I think Olivia was the one who said she uses them to make paper mache. <laughs> that, that's pretty much the extent of the usefulness that I can think of when it comes to newspapers. If I want to read something that, like the Keene Sentinel, which is one of the longest running mm-hmm. papers in the United States, if I remember correctly. Yep. Now has to only say, six uh, editions per week, by the yeah. way. There's, there's only the weekend edition now. There's no more Saturday and Sunday. I'll just go to sentinelsource.com. And if they're like, hey, no, look, you've already read your three articles this month or whatever, I'll just go to archive.ph and paste the link <laughs> yep. there. Yep. Right. Oh, they're they're yeah. up, they're upgrade. They're working on their paywall. They're they're making it harder and harder to get yeah, into. Good there. luck to them. That archive.ph can get past yeah. the New York Times. So uh, I mean, it's a different yeah. world now. They but the only it, people they... who really read it, besides Aria and myself and maybe you, is oldsters who don't know yeah. anything about anything. They need to adapt, and they're not doing they're so. too slow. They're, they're they're they've tried, and their idea of adapting was let's charge people online, and then that ran off all yes, their potential audience. I think let's they, charge I, I, I'm looking at them right now. I think they actually have a podcast go up and running. Keen Sentinel? Yeah. Wow. Aries which is, is a, which is them trying to get with the times. It's almost and, cringy. Too, I know, right? <laughs> if you ever listen to an NPR podcast, it is Good exactly Lord, no. that. Some elitist snob telling me how things should be and it's like oh, i've seen it's... uh the keen sentinels youtube channel over the years and they're de- they're terrible i mean the production is just absolutely awful and they're just not even worth looking at but uh areas of, but at least they're trying uh areas of the country that find themselves without a reliable source of local news tend to be poorer older and less educated than those covered well according to the northwestern university school of journalism okay so there's less stuff happening in places where there's less money Shocking. The co- the county, or rather country, had 6,377 newspapers at the end of May this year, and that's down from 8,891 in 2005. So over about 2,500 newspapers have completely gone out of business in the last 
17 years. Uh, that tells me that there are way too many newspapers out there. Yeah, the market is not interested in this stuff anymore. While the pandemic didn't cause the reckoning that some of the industry feared, 360 newspapers have shut down since the end of 2019. All but two, uh, all but 24 of them are weeklies serving small communities. An estimated 75,000 journalists worked in the newspaper business in 2006. That number is down to 31,000. So there's less than half of the number of people working in this business. I mean, I, mean, I feel for them, letting. but they, they should have, you know, adapted their journalism skills. Well, first of all, in most cases, they probably should have actually been journalists instead of propagandists on behalf of the mm-hmm. state. But even then, they should have developed their journalistic skills more than just one particular form of media. And now they're all tweet journalists. You know that they are. You mean where they, like, compile a list of tweets or whatever? Yep. And oh, then, my God. Dude, I hate those. <laughs> You go to this article. That's that's what it all is. It's a collection of like ten different tweets from random people, Mm. and then it's then it's a screenshot of the tweet, and then they take that very same text and they type it right below the image. Like, okay, because it's not about word count or article length or anything like that. It's about how long you have to scroll down the page. How many ads can they serve you? That's the trick. Yeah, you know if you're idea of journalism is reporting on other people's tweets you know your business is go- not going to last right like that is that should be a I don't sign. know they did really good during the Trump era who did the tweet journalists <laughs> when That's, they were reporting on people, Trump's tweets yes well, people, yeah, okay, people yes. hate that man so much this is this was the this was the golden era of tweet journalism but we're talking I'm about just, the people who are just taking like let's see what 10 random people have to say on twitter about you know the this story about people migrating to mexico and then they make an entire article that's just 10 tweets from random people and, and, by, and by the way you also have your tweet youtubers too and that's exactly sure. that's all they do are you they just read people's tweets all day and then they report on it i'm just saying like in the old days these companies made the news. They broke, you know, they broke the news. They were the originators of the news, and now they're just reporting on other people's and or tweets. they're being and or they're getting a, a memo in the morning, an email. This is what you need to write about today from the Davos Group. From- <laughs> uh, annual revenue down from fifty billion to twenty one billion. Again, going from two thousand six to today. I'm surprised so, it's as high as it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still holding on, but it's it's tenuous. Uh, even though philanthropists and politicians have been paying more attention to the issue, the factors that drove the collapse of the industry's advertising model haven't changed. Encouraging growth in the digital-only news sector in recent years hasn't been enough to compensate for the overall trends, and that's because that'll never it'll never be that way. Like the old model of local buying an ad in a in a print newspaper cannot be duplicated online because people online don't have the same tolerance. Uh, for advertisements that people that are in the you know the real world do. And no, and the targeted advertising that people are putting out now, it's terrible. On the internet, you mean? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not, it's a d- completely different model and the model that, you know, I, I may not know that I want this this brand of blender or whatever until I see it in the newspaper and I'm like, you know what, that's a good idea. But the way internet-based advertisements work, I'm never going to see an ad for a blender until I've gone onto Amazon and Looking I found a, a specific blender and have yeah. already ordered one. We know that's not true. All you have to do is say it out loud and Lambda will hear you and they will <laughs> start wanting to sell you blenders. I'm going to bring Jack on the line here. He's in Washington State. Go ahead, Jack. Um, I actually, I grew up mostly in Portland and um did they have one paper there or, or more than one uh, i think it was 
the Tribune. I think there's multiples. Mm-hmm. But now I, I actually worked for a newspaper, a small one, Aberdeen, Washington, where Kurt Cobain's from, because mm-hmm. I'm at Ocean Shores. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I sold for like 20 years something I believed in and products and services I believed in. But when I got to the newspaper, it was daily, like business to business, which mm-hmm. is tough. Them just saying, uh, yeah, the newspaper is you know, dead. You know, you hear that over and over again. Wait, wait, you're saying the potential clients were saying, yeah, newspapers are dead. We don't want to advertise with you? Yeah, so selling mm-hmm. it was like impossible because... And what year was this? When were you when were you trying to do this? Uh, 2018, 2019. Okay, yeah. When I first got to Keene, my first job was for writing for the Eagle Times, located just over here in Vermont. I was mm-hmm. doing uh, video game and tech reviews for them. Uh, the, it took them like four months to pay me for a single article, so I ended Whoa. up quitting. There's no money in it. It is a dead industry. For sure. And then last, last real quick, mm-hmm. uh, last night you talked about uh, the drag show for children. Yeah. I'm not a parent. I'll never be one for some reason. Um, I won't. Is it because you're gay? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, Quick. You know, I'll, I'll call back. All right. Talk to you then. I didn't mean to that. blow all your thoughts out uh, there. That's okay. You didn't have a lot of time there. Uh, but yeah, you know, newspapers dying two per week in the United States. It is a business that, you know, I'd be surprised if it lasts another 20 years. Uh, 10 maybe. There's more coming up tomorrow night. We'll see you then online in the meantime, freetalklive.com.